Joseph, does this sound like you? Okay. You have a tendency to be critical of yourself. Uh-huh. You pride yourself as an independent thinker and do not accept others' statements without satisfactory proof. Uh-huh. And you have found it unwise to be too frank in revealing yourself to others. I want to say yes, but that sounds like a horoscope thing. Yeah. You know how I knew that? Wow. <laughs> Because I know that you're a Sagittarius. <laughs> is that from? Is that my? Is that my horoscope? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Or, or was it because I'm trying to exploit the Barnum effect to scam you out of money? Damn. Welcome to Psych Papers, a podcast of Bruh. bad content where we discuss interesting psychological studies and concepts, and we conduct our own follow-up research inspired by the episode's topics. I'm Chris stretch. Cole. I have a PhD in psychology. And this is my co-host, Joseph Taharin. I'm Joseph. In today's episode, we are discussing astrology, fortune-telling, psychics, aura reading, and certain personality tests. Oh, I love Other this. Words, the Barnum Effect. <laughs> yeah! Have you heard of the Barnum Effect? Um, is it when like you hear a thing and you think it's related to you? Um, Basically, yeah. The Barnum Effect also known as the forer effect, is the tendency for people to accept vague and general personality descriptions as highly accurate and personally meaningful. This comes about in statements that are called Barnum statements, which are general characterizations that people believe to be true about themselves, even though these statements could apply to just about anyone. This effect is commonly exploited by fortune tellers, astrologers, and other con artists who want to convince victims that they're endowed with some paranormal gift. Because the personality statements are so vague, people often ascribe their own interpretation, making the statements more meaningful and personal to them. This effect is a specific example of the so-called acceptance phenomenon. As a side tangent, uh, in psychology, there are so many goddamn phenomenons. Phenomena. Phenomena. Do, do, yeah, do, do, I feel do. like there's like a word for everything. Like, I feel like the, the, there was... When I was in psychology, somebody somebody criticized the field being like, I feel like you guys are just putting like fancy labels to shit that we all know. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, but it's important for us to label them so we know how to talk about them. Like somebody could be like, wow, it's interesting how I work harder when my boss is watching me. And psychologists are like, oh, that's actually the Hawthorne effect. Point in 1958. <laughs> Got him. Like, yeah, no, no shit. A six-year-old knows that when their parent walks in the room and they need to pretend to not be smearing poo on the wall or yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever six-year-olds do. That's not a phenomenon. But we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about these phenomenons. So this acceptance phenomenon is the tendency for humans to accept almost any bogus personality feedback. And this is how many emotion inductions work in psychology. In the episode we did on how psychologists induce feelings of social exclusion... Some of the inductions involved giving people bogus personality feedback that they'd end up alone forever. The more general concept of the acceptance phenomenon is called subjective validation, another just fancy term, in which two unrelated or random events are perceived to be related because we're expecting them to be. For example, when people read a horoscope, people are actively seeking a connection between the horoscope and their own personality. And there was a survey conducted by YouGov in 2022 that found that 27% of adults in the U.S. believe in horoscopes. Do you believe but, in any horoscopes or astrological signs? No, but it's fun. 
It's fun to. That's what they say. (laughs) It's fun to say. Fun to read. You gonna ruin people's fun, Chris? You gonna gonna rain Uh, on people's parade? Do you do you really not like horoscopes? I do not. Uh, They are dumb. Didn't you date someone that was really into horoscopes? Yes, and I spent like an hour talking with them, (laughs) talking about it, and (laughs) and and they actually tried to pose an argument that was like, well. And this is probably the most legitimate, like the strongest argument that I've heard for it. And even it was still shit. Uh, they, they were saying <laughs> that they were saying that, okay, well, imagine if you have a group of people born around the same time, like uh-huh. they're all Sagittarius. So they're all uh-huh. like December, whatever birth dates. Wouldn't people growing up around the same time go through similar experiences in life, leading them to have like similar personalities? I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, no, no, no. One month or a couple days difference in your astrological sign is not going to um, have change you your fundamental personality. Have you considered socioeconomic paradigms? Uh, what if there's one parent in the household? Um, have you considered the standard of education that the child uh-huh. received? I'm like, that's actually just the acceptance phenomenon and the Barnum effect. You buffoon. Uh, and they're like, all right, and they and then they ghosted me. So the Barnum effect also relates to the concept of synchronicity, coined by Carl Jung, Jung with a J, <laughs> little Jung, <laughs> little Jung. <laughs> Hold on, synchronicity is such a made up word. It's the most made up word I've ever heard in my life. It is. It it's is. like, it is. oh, what's what's the same, but but more letters. <laughs> it's gotta be at least three syllables to get accepted in a journal <laughs> someone's in the thesaurus just like okay i just need to find the source that's the longest yeah. word let's use yeah, that yeah. <laughs> so synchronicity describes when humans think two unrelated events are causally connected and it's about the disproportionate amount of attention that we pay to coincidences and not every other time the coincidence doesn't happen Okay. For example, if you have a dream uh, that the next day ends up becoming true, you might think, oh, wow, I like saw a vision in my dream that like it ended up happening. I must, you know, have like seen something. It must have been like a vision or something. But that's the one coincidence. The coincidence is the, the experience that you pay attention to. You're not paying attention to the thousands of other dreams that you've had that don't end up uh, coming to fruition. Right. So if you roll a dice, you know, a thousand times, yeah, you're going to like end up being correct, you know, one of the times. And then Mm -hmm. those few times you're like, oh, wow, I like predicted that in my dream. I saw it. Something happened to me. (laughs) Yeah. No one wakes up with a with a bed full of spiders. (laughs) Yeah. Or you're falling off a building when you wake up. Have any crazy coincidences happened to you, Joseph? Okay. I don't know if this is a coincidence, but I'm going to say it anyway. So. Like like many kids, I was like very like I was very embarrassed like all the time. I wanted to make sure everything I did wasn't like out of line and very controlled because I was afraid of looking like a buffoon. Um, so uh, I remember one time I went with my sister bike riding in Santa Monica Pier, um, and it was fine. It was just we had rented some bikes and we were just riding them along, and then for some reason, as we're reaching back to the bike rental to return the bikes. Um, I lose control of the bike. Don't remember what happened exactly. So I go and I crash 
into a bunch of bikes. And I look up and I see okay. these two two kids laughing at me. And I'm just like so embarrassed. And then behind behind them is a bigger shadow. Arnold Schwarzenegger's laughing at beats. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, what? Arnold Schwarzenegger's are laughing the Terminator? at me. Terminator? <laughs> 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 laughing at me too. Like not like not like, oh yes, very funny, enjoy. It's just like a chuckle and then you just went to go talk to the guy at Red Bikes. <laughs> <laughs> remember i live in la so these things can't happen um, oh damn that's kind of cool yeah that's cool that's cool man. <laughs> that's a cool coincidence that i felt. yeah that Shit. i think artists yeah, were that's a story. laughing at me <laughs> i was like yeah i was like eight or nine or something i don't know man he definitely told that story to everyone when he went <laughs> yeah he remembered it i remember this time he's like yeah i can hear yeah. him on a podcast and joe rogan there was this young man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he watches our podcast. It's him. He's the one that bumped into all the bikes. <laughs> honey, honey, come here. Come here. <laughs> this it. is the I stupid knew. idiot. <laughs> so now that we've discussed three different terms for basically the same thing, where does the name come from? The name for the Barnum effect comes from P.T. Barnum of Barnum and Bailey Circus. Because of Barnum's reputation for being a master showman who knew how to captivate an audience. The connection to P.T. Barnum isn't because Barnum was a scamster, but rather because of Barnum's ability to create spectacles and attractions that appealed to a broad audience. The Barnum effect is also known as the Forer effect. The effect was discovered after the psychologist Bertram Forer conducted one of the classic psychology studies in 1948, which is what we'll be discussing today. Which, by the way, that's the way to go. Name it after yourself. Just call it like the Joseph phenomenon or the Taharn phenomenon. You know the yeah. the Chris Cole effect, which is yeah. gonna be your, which is oh, gonna yeah. be your, which is gonna be your it's TV show, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, TV the show. Chris Cole effect. <laughs> Yo, I'm in the Chris Cole effect, guys. We're in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I already see it. You have your skater jeans on. You skate. You have like oh, half yeah. pipes in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> you do an ollie into the in your entrance. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's up, everybody? I'm Chris Cole. You're entering the Chris Cole effect. Watch out! Woo! I might get ya! So in Forer's 1940s article, he discusses universal characteristics or personality traits that every single human has, and thus serves no value in distinguishing people from one another. That virtually every psychological trait can be observed in everyone to some degree. For example, second-guessing yourself. It's not in the presence or absence of that trait that humans differ. It's in the relative degree to which this trait dominates their life. Everybody second guesses themselves, but for some people it's no big deal, and for some people it's paralyzing. So a universal characteristic is one that applies equally well to the entire population, but it lacks the quantitative specification or how much it dominates their life. Uh, and it doesn't provide any accurate distinction between people. So rather than saying, you second guess yourself, to give a quantitative distinction with this statement, on the lowest end you could say, Joseph occasionally questions his decisions, but generally trusts his judgment. And on the highest end, you could say, Joseph imagines the worst case scenario for every decision he makes, leading to heightened anxiety and stress. Oh my god, are you in my head? This is, you're in the Chris Cole effect right now, baby. <laughs> Get me out. Yeah, I'm in your head. I'm not getting out, alright? No, he's doing all he's in my head. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing and he won't stop. 
<laughs> he's failing, he keeps trying it again. Yeah, hey, I'm gonna get it one of these days. <laughs> these are both second guessing, but have different strengths. We all second guess ourselves to different extents. Except the thing is, when we hear these universal characteristics, we think they're unique in us. Another great example that they even bring up in the paper is when psychology students first read a textbook on abnormal psychology, uh, or they go through the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Statistics Manual used to oh, diagnose no. mental illnesses. <laughs> Psych students will read symptoms of mental illness and be like, oh my god, I have this, <laughs> and self-diagnose yeah. themselves. Oh no! With you know no regard to the quantitative frame or the strength of each <laughs> symptom needed to accurately evaluate yourself. But let's face it, they're psych students, so maybe they have something, you know? They, <laughs> they got something all right, yeah. Yeah, it's not in the DSM-5, but we've yet to discover it yet. <laughs> yeah, there's something wrong with all of them. Nerds. Almost every measurement tool for mental illness involves some degree of strength or frequency. It's not just the presence or absence of some symptom. This contributes to how fortune tellers, psychics, mediums, tarot card readers, palm or tea leaf readers, and other con artists oh, man. can trick people into thinking that they're tapping into something real. They'll make broad general statements with no specificity that can be applied to almost anybody. Like, it feels to me like you've recently gone through a hardship. Am I right? Mm, yes, I, I sensed that in the vision. So how did Bertram Four? study the Barnum effect in 1948. Participants filled out a personality inventory or a series of questions asking about themselves. A week later, they came back and received descriptions of their personality based on the survey that they took. The kicker, every participant received the exact same exact personality same description. Study. Yeah. Yep. Classic it included 13 move. statements about their personality, such as, you have a great need for other people to like and admire you. Some of your aspirations tends to be pretty unrealistic. And at times, you're extroverted, affable, sociable, while at other times, you're introverted, wary, and reserved. Oh, man, are you in my wow. head? <laughs> that's me. That's, that's, that's me. That's that, me. Everyone listening right now is like, wait, that, that, that's, that's me, though. though. Wait, <laughs> that's me, though, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yep. It's the bottom yeah. effect, baby. It's you. It definitely is you. Participants then rated, one, how effective the survey was at revealing their personality, and two, they checked each of the 13 statements with a true or false uh, about themselves, whether each statement was true. Almost every participant gave the survey a perfect or near-perfect rating in effectiveness oh, wow. in describing their personality. And the average number of statements that participants stated to be true of them was 10 out of the 13 total statements. All of the students accepted the personality survey as either a good or perfect instrument for personality measurement. Do you think this study would work on you? Yeah, I, I would, it would probably work on me, yeah. I think we've already seen it work on you. <laughs> it's working right now. <laughs> the crucifix is though. <laughs> but I do have pretty unrealistic aspirations. <laughs> but I do want people to like and admire me. Sometimes in social situations, I just don't want to talk to people. But other times, I do want to talk to people. <laughs> Get out of my head! <laughs> now, before you say, well, technically the personality descriptions did accurately describe each person, I want to remind everyone the point of the study was to demonstrate the human tendency to be overly impressed by vague statements and to endow the diagnostician, in this case, the personality survey, but in other cases, this could be a so-called medium, fortune teller, or psychic, 
they endow the diagnostician with an unwarrantedly high degree of insight. These are vague statements that are so broad that they could apply to anybody, thus they serve zero purpose in describing anybody. For example, describing someone as, at times, you worry too much. Everybody does this. Everybody worries it too much. a pointless <laughs> statement to describe somebody. Yeah. It has no distinguishing ability. And you also give a ton of credit, credibility to the diagnostician. So once they get a couple things correct, quote unquote, everything else is despite it being correct for every human you're Mm -hmm. more likely to trust them come back to them and give them more slack if they end up getting something wrong every now and again this is how people can get wrapped up in seeing psychics and mediums and other scammers if i if i want to scam someone then i just start off with some easy ones up front to get them to reel Mm -hmm. them in um and this you lay on and obviously gets easier too because the more details you get from them that they say sort of give you they sort of spoon feed you some of the details so it's like a oh yeah you could you can like use that against them and uh, oh yeah yeah yep yep there's a ton of strategies uh, that people use to exploit this effect replication studies have found that there are three important factors in producing the Barnum effect one the subject believes that the analysis applies only to him or her two the subject believes in the authority of the evaluator and three the analysis provides mainly positive traits. The effect is consistently found when the assessment statements are vague and people read their own meaning into them, making them feel personal to them. So the most effective statements include the phrase, at times, such as, at times, you feel very sure of yourself, while at other times, you're not as confident. (laughs) Oh my God, that's me. (laughs) Sometimes you wash your hands in the bathroom. Other times you're in a hurry and you just want to get out of there, especially if it smells like shit in the restroom. And, and you just quickly turn the faucet on and off so people outside think you wash your they, hands. They think you wash oh your hands. Oh my God, that's me. <laughs> These statements can apply to anybody and thus each person reads their own personal meaning into it. Unfortunately, certain people are more prone to the Barnum effect. People that feel low status, people oh. with more authoritarian or neurotic personalities, and to people who have a greater need for approval are more likely to fall for the Barnum effect. Oh man, now I feel bad. Yeah. So you just yeah. you're basically picking on the people that are probably most probably not most in the best vulnerable. place. Yeah. Yep. Now what's funny is I have seen ads for online psychic readings. Nice. It's like some some Zoom video call shit. Uh-huh. Like which sounds hilarious to me. Like it was the is the ghost in like the background of the zoom call like can they see can they see that far yeah can webcams 1080p yeah the 4k can pick up ghosts man <laughs> caught in 4k man That's what yeah the new m1 about. macbooks are crazy yo the webcams pick up everything <laughs> every single pixel of every ghost jeez all right do you do you do you know of anyone that's been to a psychic or fortune teller of sorts yes my mom's ex-boyfriend. <laughs> oh. So he had he had some sort of thing going on with him. And my mom, by the time they dated, my mom was already like in her mid-40s. Like, like the, my mom was not seeking out other people. And she was not that kind of person. But he was so paranoid that he would pick all these people that he thinks that my mom was cheating on with him. Like one time we were at church and he was just waiting in the car to pick us up. <laughs> 
and he saw the, the the piano player at the church leave at the same time my mom left and he's like who's that <laughs> what is he doing he was a really paranoid guy and one time he was babysitting us my mom was at work he took us to a fortune teller you can you imagine this i'm not this guy's kid <laughs> He takes me Come on, Joe. Brother Get in the car, this, Joe. To this fortune teller where he's like, is she cheating on me? And I don't remember exactly the entire time. I'm just like, why am I here? Dude, yeah. this is my yeah. mom, bro. <laughs> what are you doing? I got homework. So <laughs> it's a Wednesday. It's a school night, dude. Why are you taking yeah. me here? It was wild. It's like, it's like, don't tell your mom. Like, I don't know what to tell her. Are you fucking yeah, yeah. I don't know what's rude. going on at all with this. <laughs> I, I'm ten. This I don't guy's know. got like carpets hanging on the walls. <laughs> yeah, it was it was bizarre. That was a very bizarre situation. Yeah, but I know what I do remember is like, yes, she is cheating on her with blah 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 blah. I'm like, it's just <laughs> it's so bizarre. Wait, were you as a kid being like, did you believe it? Were you like, oh shit, mom? No, a hundred percent, I did not. Or were you like, this guy's fucking baloney even as a 19 year old i was like my mom's not <laughs> my mom is not this is a christian woman she would never yeah yeah e- even even as a nine-year-old you were like these just sound like a bunch of barnum <laughs> hucksters or people trying to sell you something using a pushy or showy tactic these people can exploit the barnum effect on their victims how do they do this there's a few strategies hucksters are more likely to successfully scam their victim if they, one, exude an air of confidence and look and act as if they believe what they're doing. Doing this will allow them to sell even a bad reading to most people. Two, they can make creative use of the latest survey or polling data showing Mm. what various subclasses of society believe, want, worry about, and so on. If they employ a gimmick such as a crystal ball, tarot cards, or palm reading, that can help exploit the the barnum effect number four if they pay attention to clues provide provided by the victim's clothing jewelry mannerisms and speech five if they're not afraid of hamming it up uh so getting like really into it and you know kind of getting really into the woo woo and six if they use flattery if they make you feel good illusionists psychics and certain tv personalities use these strategies when they give so-called cold readings they claim they have some psychoanalytical expertise and try to diagnose a guest's psychological problems in a few minutes. The lesson of this episode is that do not be fooled when a psychic or phony faith healer tries this trick on you. Be skeptical and ask for proof. <laughs> what you do, by the way, in any conversation, and it was, um, yep. you have evidence to uh, support your... To put your logic. Yup. Debate yep. Lord. How do you know that? Source? <laughs> There's a source for that. It's actually actually it's a good way if you if you're like not confident about stuff at all. Like whenever someone makes a declarative statement of something that you inherently feel off about, but you can't you don't feel confident enough to talk through. Like I don't know everything about global warming, I swear, but like I'm just like, I believe the experts, whatever, right? But if someone ever comes at me and says, like, well, global warming you know, has a pen, you know, I can go at that person and be like, how do you know that's true? And just keep going through that question. Yeah. And just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unravel yeah. How, you, how you find that out. And some, um, sometimes I'm, such an, I'm such, a, such an asshole that, like, I'll challenge it even though it, like, it might end up being it might correct. Be true. But I'm like, 
if they were like, oh, you know, in, in 20 years, the polar bears are going to die. And I'm like, what? How do you how do you know that? And like, maybe that in 20 years, maybe that does end up being totally true. But I'm like, I don't think you I don't think you knew that. Yeah. Today. Yeah. I don't think you had the knowledge to make that prediction accurately today. Yeah. 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 If you're still listening. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you guys. Later. Bye.